All right, welcome back to the show. 7.50 the game, 9 to 11 a.m. Judas football show. And still trying to draw conclusions from last night's football game. Oregon State 41, Oregon 38 as the Beavers pull off the upset as nearly two touchdown underdogs at Razor Stadium. Tyson Alger covers the Oregon Ducks for the Athletic. You can find him on social medias at Tyson Alger. He was at Razor Stadium last night uh, covering all that action through the mist, through the fog, and uh, wrote an excellent recap on the Athletic, and he joins us right now. Evanson Bernard, by the way, coming up at 10 a.m. on the show later this morning as well. But, Tyson, thanks so much for joining us, man, and uh, we appreciate it after the late night last night. Ah, man, where do you start with this Oregon loss to Oregon State as two touchdown favorites going into Reezer? And I guess I'll, I'll start to, to sharpen the perspective a bit. They knew they had to stop the run and stop Jamar Jefferson, and they were unable to do so last night. How did that unfold from your perspective? Yeah, you know, it, it was one of those games where I, I, I guess the, the final result might be surprising just because, like, like, like you said, Oregon was nearly a two-touchdown favorite coming into this game. But but the reasons Oregon lost are kind of what's plagued this team this whole year. Like, we knew they couldn't stop the run, and, and we knew we knew that the offenses had a tendency of turning the ball over. Um, and, and last night, they just absolutely ran into a train and Jamar Jefferson, who just uh, I mean his, his first touch went for an 80 yard touchdown I mean that if that wasn't indicative of things to come I, I don't know what it was but uh, um, you know I, I think a lot of attention will be paid to uh, what went wrong for the Ducks and, and just kind of how gassed and, and porous this defense has looked but Oregon State played a great game last night and I think that was my my seventh uh, Oregon on Oregon State game that I've covered uh, in my time here and I, I think that was probably as memorable as, as ones as I've covered there was a, a lot made of the fog last night at Reeser, and it kind of had a, a great feel, kind of a, uh, you know, definitely a late fall, late November game feel with that fog in the atmosphere. What was it like for you, kind of visibility-wise, over for us just watching the game on TV? It did seem to, you know, inhibit the visual experience a bit, but it was hard to tell if it was really impacting gameplay on the field. Uh, did you get any sense on the impact of the fog last night? Uh, you know, I, I don't think it really had much uh, impact on the field. I, I think when you're like looking down on something, it, it's, it uh, makes it a little bit denser than it would be if you're like looking across the field. But like, man, it uh, it started to roll in kind of like right around the start of the first quarter. But by like the second and third quarter, it was uh, uh, it was just flat out tough to see. There was there was two like two instances where in those RPOs that Oregon runs with Shuck. Uh, I, there was everyone in the press box was just like, oh, well, I think he threw that <laughs> and just kind of wait to wait to see where people ended up. But it was, it was definitely substantial, but uh, it, it started to lift right around the fourth quarter, right as a, uh, right as the Beavers uh, um, really kind of took, took a stranglehold of this thing. It's the uh, second straight week and Tyson Alger of the athletic is joining us here on Judas football show. It's the second straight week that Oregon has shown some vulnerability on uh, the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, not to say that they were perfect at Washington State or in their opener as well, but UCLA seemed to have some surprising success on offense. And Oregon State, even though we know of Jefferson and, and some of the playmakers that they have, boy, I'm definitely surprised at putting up over 500 yards on the Oregon defense. So what do we make of it, Tyson? I mean, I recognize some of the individual names on this Oregon defensive unit, and I know they're hurt by opt-outs, uh, particularly Graham and uh, Javon Holland and even Brady Breeze to a certain extent. 
but I didn't think it would hurt him this bad. Are you surprised at the the product on the defensive side of the ball Oregon's put forward so far? I'm just surprised that it hurt them up front so much because, you know, you think of the secondary and you think of the passing game, but, I mean, this is an Oregon defense that's not generating any sacks. It's it's And <clears throat> when you combine that with the fact that this group isn't forcing any turnovers either, and it's just, it's just been the perfect storm for a really bad season. I mean, they're getting completely gashed on the ground, but I think what's happening as well is, is that that secondary is, is just, uh, it's allowing quarterbacks to get rid of the ball a lot quicker. So you're not allowing somebody like Kayvon Thibodeau to, to be able to create havoc in there. And I mean, it's, it's nuts to me that it, it just seems like there's just two consistent players on this defense right now. One's Veron McKinley, who's a redshirt sophomore and the other is Noah Sewell, who's a true freshman. I mean, other than that, it, it just doesn't seem like there's anybody that's really consistently playing well, which is pretty shocking considering, you know, basically the entire defensive line with Jordan Scott and Austin Value. I mean, they held a press conference for them announcing them coming back to their senior years. I mean, these these are veteran guys up front. Um, in the back, on in, at the linebacker, yeah, they have a couple injuries with like Justin Flo, but he was it was a true freshman. Like they shouldn't have been relying on him as as somebody that that needed to to make plays this year. I mean, they they have experience back there, but I guess it's it's just really surprising to me because really. From that front seven, they lost Troy Dye, which, I mean, Troy Dye was a fantastic player, but it's, it's not like he was, like, a first-round NFL talent. Um, and then they lost, like, Drayton, Carl Berg, and Bryson Young, who were two guys who didn't really even play until their senior year. So it's not like there was a, a big uh, talent loss, like, up at, at, that, at that level. I mean, it's just it's kind of baffling. Like, like last night, it just seemed like that the defense was disengaged at times, and then just uh, – I, 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 Mario Cristobal didn't want to blame, you know, COVID and, and the fact that they lost time with strength and conditioning um, and tackling and practice. But, I mean, at the same time, like, that's probably what it is. But every other team's going through it. And I, I thought Oregon's offense was going to be good enough last night to, to counter that. But, I mean, Oregon State just, just bulldozed them. They absolutely did, yeah. Tyson Alger of The Athletic joining us. You wrote in your piece for The Athletic that uh, Oregon fails to finish off Oregon State as playoff hopes vanish in the rivalry loss. I want to focus on the failure to finish. This is a program in Mario Cristobal that he's built that prides itself on finishing games. Finish, finish, finish. Now, of course, you could say every coach in every program that ever walked the earth wants to uh, finish games and, and have that be a calling card. But... I mean, given their toughness in the trenches, their ability to finish games running the football, if they're not fumbling like at the end of Stanford or trying to uh, come back and beat Auburn in that game last year or the the long comeback effort that they had at ASU, generally Oregon is a program that can finish games by running the rock well and converting those third downs. And you finish games on both sides of the ball, certainly. You've, you've got to finish on defense, but you also got to finish on offense, Tyson, and it doesn't seem like Oregon's offense has that killer instinct, at least uh, in the last couple of weeks, that they even showed at Washington State. I mean, they were so good in that second half at Washington State. But the fourth quarter with UCLA did not have show that killer instinct, and it certainly didn't yesterday when it gave the Beavers a window of opportunity to come back and win. How did Oregon's offense kind of uh, perform from the way that you were evaluating the game last night in the sense that they had an opportunity to finish this game out and they just did not. 
Yeah, you know, I, it's there was good and bad there. I mean, like the, this offense gets, continue to show that it can be explosive. I mean, like you saw some big plays from Jalen Red, and then Devin Williams continues to just be a, a freakish talent for them at, at wide receiver. I think he had a 60-yard touchdown reception. Um, I, I think Tyler Shuck's going to take take a lot of, of flack for this game. That that second interception uh, in the fourth quarter was was definitely a backbreaker for them. But I mean, this this was an offense that still put up 38 points. Um, I, I don't. I, I think it's too much to, to put the blame on on the offense here. I mean, they. Um, I, I think the one disappointment was when they got the ball uh, late, late in the fourth, and they go three and out there, and what seemed like a pretty uninspired drive. But I mean, Tyler Chuck did leave leave a, a go ahead touchdown drive uh, late in that fourth quarter, but before that play, and it's just that this was definitely a whoever had the ball last was going to win it, and, and so I, I think there was just way too much time left on the clock, and. Um, you know, especially with the way Oregon State's offense was running. So, um, yeah, definitely some things to shore up. I mean, I mean, Chuck's just, just had like, you know, three or four interceptions this year where you just go like, ah, you know, I, I, I obviously he wish he was would have had those back. It just happened that one of them last night was at a was at a real crucial moment in the game. But I mean, it was it was his first real. Um, time as a starter uh, trying to lead the comeback drive and I didn't think he played that bad it's just uh it's just they had a really untimely three and out and and that pick was awfully costly yeah it was I mean the first pick you know Jaden Grant's interception that led to no points so Oregon State couldn't capitalize on that I was taking issue with Oregon State for that and the second pick by Nashon Wright it seemed like in both of those instances and it's hard to see without you know going back and looking at coach's film but it seemed like in both of those instances you know, Jaden Grant came off his original coverage to intercept that ball underneath, and then Nashon Wright did something similar. Like, he had a receiver that he was, you know, running with, running a deep post or a deep go or something. He came off of that to come back and intercept that ball on a secondary receiver. Uh, so are we? do we absolutely still have to pin those interceptions on Shuck, or is that also obviously, you know, give and take? some pretty decent coaching and technique by the Oregon State defensive backs. I'm just, I'm just trying to paint the picture. Like, how much of this was egregious misplay by Shuck? Because I agree with you, for the most part, I actually think he, he played pretty well, but he's just, like, the easiest target for Duck fans right now in a game that they lost. Well, I mean, like, that, that's, that's the thing. Is, you know, sometimes it's mistakes, and sometimes it's just the other team making plays. And uh, I think for many years, uh, you know, dating back to, you know, when Oregon was really – really uh, running through this rivalry I, I think any time that Oregon State did something it was kind of more chopped up to like a mistake for the Ducks but um, th- this is a Beavers team that's, that's grown in talent under Jonathan Smith they're, they're incredibly well coached and, and you do have leaders like Grant who are, are outspoken and make plays and, and really kind of uh, uh, put place themselves in, into kind of the history of this, this rivalry game um, you know, I, I think uh, I, I think it's a mixture on those. I, I I need to go back and actually actually watch watch the full game replay. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, it's especially the Grant one. Like he he peeled off, and and, and I think the Oregon State disguised their coverage as well. I think UCLA um, kind of showed a blueprint for that because I mean like the Ducks, Ducks were kind of struggling with some of the, the sets that they were they were bringing at them. So um, yeah, I mean it's. It, this season's tough to grade overall because, in one sense, like Oregon was number 15 in the college football playoff rankings. They were undefeated. Um, they had a, a very, very slim. I mean, it was it was pretty much a zero chance of making the playoff, but they were at least like mathematically still in it. And so, I mean, this loss 
takes them out of that headline. But, I mean, this is still an incredibly young team. So many guys on that offense were playing in their first first rivalry game like this. Um, it, it's a weird environment out there. Um, so, I mean, it's it's certainly a disappointment for them, and, and they, they played bad. Like, the, the defense wasn't good in this game, but this, this is still a young team that's growing for, for what will be a resumption of that, that playoff run uh, in 2021. Tyson, I uh, Devin Williams has some wow moments in pretty much every game. Dude, he's good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> how good is he? I mean, like, what are we talking here in terms of uh, like his his pro potential? Because uh, man, he's got the frame, and he has just lost some folks running some routes. And and uh, there was blown coverage last night, of course, for the big one. But man, he is smooth. Man, it's, it's it's not even just his speed; it's, it's his agility. I mean, he's had three or four times where he's caught the ball like right on, right along the sideline, like completely stopped to like shake his defender and then start up again. I mean, he's just he's got start stop and and that mixed with that frame. I mean, there's just there's no other Oregon receiver like him. And honestly, I can't really think of a, of a guy who does all those things uh, in the time that I've covered this team. And I mean, it's, this was really. Uh, he, he's, it's it's so funny to be wrapping. I mean, feel like you're wrapping things up after after this game here late November, and, and still thinking that it's only the fourth game of the season. Like, like this is where you would really think that he'd just be really getting going. He's got four games under his belt in a new system with a new team, but uh, uh, you know, we only got got two official ones left before uh, before uh, hopefully uh, they end up in the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, I mean, he he's been phenomenal to watch uh, for for a lot of reasons. Uh, what's the evaluation on Kayvon Thibodeau this year, Tyson? He had a couple of splash plays. He had the pass knockdown on fourth down. He had the sack of Jebbia. And yet I'm also seeing, uh, you know, uh, is he being used to his peak capacity? Uh, what? How do you evaluate Kayvon right now? I actually thought he played pretty well yesterday. Um, it's, I mean, a player like that who, you know, had nine sacks last year, obviously I think people are going to look at the sack totals from this year and then, it's down. I think yesterday was his first sack of the season, but um, he's getting double teamed a lot. Um, but just I, I spent a few series watching him and just the way that he's able to kind of shed guys and bounce off to, to where the ball carrier is. Um, you know, it, it certainly wasn't flashy, but um, I mean, if you take take the Pac-12 by storm like he did last year, I mean, all of a sudden you're going to start getting game plan for. And I, I think that's something that he's adjusting to. I think it's something that the Ducks are adjusting to, uh, especially when they don't quite have the coverage guys behind them to allow them that time. But, uh, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be too worried about him. But uh, it, it's, it's certainly not the uh, the disruptor that we, we saw uh, what what seemed like every other uh, other play last year. I, I thought this guy was going to be the Pac-12 defensive player of the year this year. And, um, yeah, he, he's certainly far off that pace. I, in fact, I, I think, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I, I think Noah Sewell's been the best player of this front seven so far, and, and he's played in four career games. All right, Tyson, a couple of last things for you. One, your preseason predictions for this Oregon football season that you had on The Athletic. You predicted back then that they would have one loss in the regular season, and that would come at Oregon State. Now, you self-disclosed that you hedged a little bit. No, going, no, no let's, 
no, let's just leave it there. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> You're a genius, Tyson. How did you know? But but big picture, what kind of, if you can backtrack to that, uh, to, to frame your thinking in the preseason, what led you to that kind of prediction? Was it something just overall in the Ducks that you were like, this is going to be a really good team, but I tell you what, the Beavs are also going to be for real this year. And did it ultimately pan out in the way that you may have thought it could? I, I, I just think Jonathan Smith's teams have played Oregon really well the last two years. Um, if you go back and look at last year's game, I mean, it was it was Gabby's first first start, and, and the Ducks didn't really pull away from them. Uh, obviously, there's a huge talent gap between these two teams, but um, if you look at the last two and a half years of, of Mario Cristobal's teams, there's always – there's always a head scratching loss or two. Last year it was at Arizona State. The year before it was that Washington Arizona or Washington State Arizona back to back. And then just kind of looking at this year's schedule, it was, it was a mixture of them playing at Reeser. Um, you know they, they've struggled on the road at times. Uh, Jamar Jefferson is is obviously uh, what he is on the ground. It, it just um, I don't know. It was, I'd like to say that I, uh, I I did all the analytics on it, but it was just kind of a gut feeling that I uh, I didn't stick with this last week because we did our updated uh, midseason uh, picks and I did a projected record and I, I said uh, you know I've seen enough from this offense to think that they'll be able to handle Oregon State, so mm. I don't get all the credit here, but. Uh, um, you know, hopefully people just saw that first article and not the second one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, my hand's up there with you, man. I had 41-27 was my game prediction that Oregon was going to put up 41. I thought Oregon State was going to put up some points, but wouldn't have enough to, to keep up. And my last question is, you know, well, how does this team, when they move forward now, they got at Cal and versus Washington. If you put on that Tyson Alger predictor hat again, do you think uh, this Cristobal team will be able to regroup, bounce back? They get an extra day to prepare now as they get a Cal team that just lost in brutal fashion yesterday. Uh, are they going to be able to bounce back and, and beat Cal on the road? And then, of course, with that big rivalry with Washington, I don't know. I don't even know where to start thinking about where that game is. And it, even, honestly, if any of this gets played, too, is the other factor, of course. Yeah, no kidding. Like, like this, the, the, the games are, are dropping left and right here. Uh, I'm not worried about Cal. Uh, I, I thought they had a chance of being good coming into this year, but at, at this point, it just kind of looks like a, a, a loss season. Uh, I mean, they, they've they've had games canceled. They they've had tough losses. I, I just I, I don't know quite know what they're still playing for. Um, so I, I think the Ducks will will be able to regroup for that one. Uh, boy, uh, that Washington game looks kind of scary now, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, We'll have to see how uh, how they look. I mean, Washington and Utah this weekend, that'll be a fun one. But, um, yeah, I, the, the Oregon team that played yesterday, I don't think that beat, that team beats Washington. Now, granted, I, I think there's a lot of things Oregon can fix. and um, You know, it, it can still be a good game. But, uh, yeah, the, the Huskies are looking pretty good. Pretty good and and if that, if that game happens, uh, it'll be a tough one. Dyson, I appreciate you taking the time. As always, my friend, love talking football with you. You make me smarter each and every time. Uh, find them on socials at Tyson Alger. Read them and sub to The Athletic. I know they got great discount pricing going on right now to sub. So do that and read Tyson Alger's work if you're an Oregon fan. Tyson, good talking to you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Judah.